Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 Praise be to God. Thank you for joining us in Gospel Saving Church here in my home. And thank you for uh, joining us at Gospel Saving Church online, coming from SoundCloud or wherever you're coming from. I want to thank you and and I want to praise God that you're here. And I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, If you guys want to turn in your uh, Bibles to uh, 1 Timothy 2. 5 through 7, that's where we're going to be. Uh, I'm going to pray real quick, and then I'm going to give my thoughts from last week's message, is Wage the Good Warfare. So if you will join me in a word of prayer, I want to pray and ask God to bless our message and help us to understand the things that He has for us here today, because it's a pretty major topic we're going to be talking on today. So if you guys want to join me, Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that we know that your word... Lord, is the truth. Not my word, not my dad's word, not my wife's word, not the religion, not a religion's word, Lord, not anybody's word, Lord. We know your word is the truth, and we know your word, not anything else written by man, but your word, Lord, is what we hold up the most. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have given your word and it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Lord, as David said. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we can look to your word for truth and for light, Lord, and look above everything else, Lord, to your word. Thank you so much for giving it to us, Lord. We praise you. We thank you, Lord. We ask that you would enlighten our hearts and our eyes and our minds today, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Help us to understand what you have to tell us today. Help us, Lord, to hear you clearly, Lord. And then as we hear you clearly, Lord, to take action on the things that we may believe or we may practice that are not of you. Help us, though, Lord, as we hear these words from your word, the simple teaching that Paul gives us here today. Help us to understand it clearly and, Lord, change our lives with it. May it change our lives forever, Lord. Not because of what I say, Lord, but because of what you say. And I thank you so much. And we love you, and we praise you, and we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. So if you guys want to turn, if you're not over there again, 1 Timothy 2, 5-7. through While I give my thoughts from last week's message, wage the good warfare. Now, I got to tell you, there was a few last week or a couple weeks ago that I had said, hey, I could speak so many more volumes on this particular topic, and I could do the same thing with this one here. On this spiritual warfare that we are in, there is just so much more I could say. But I'm not going to say too much, because it is just an overview, and I spoke a lot on it last week. But I just want to give a couple major points that we can stick in our minds, that I hope that the Holy Spirit sticks in our minds, that we can never forget these major, major, major points that are going to help us in this great spiritual battle that we're in. So here are these two major, major, major points. Point one, Christians. Talking to Christians now. Talking to people that love Jesus out there today. Christians, we need to remember and never forget that we are in a spiritual war against Satan for our souls in the souls of mankind. And we need to be mindful of this point one every single solitary day, all day long. Because I'm guilty, 
often of forgetting that we're in a great spiritual warfare. We're in a great spiritual battle against the devil. And when I forget, and when you forget that we're in a great spiritual war, what do we do when we, when we forget that? What do we do if we forget that we're in a war of terror? Because that's what's in our world today. The war on terror, the war on terrorists, the war on, you know, on these evil people that are blowing people up all over the world in France and all that. What do we do? We let our guard down. We don't stay guarded, right? If we forget that we're in a physical war, we let our guard down and then the enemy attacks, boom, and hits us. If we forget we're in a spiritual war, like I am often guilty of doing, then we let our guard down. And what happens after we let our guard down The enemy of our souls in the great spiritual war, the devil, comes in easily and he puts these bombs in our minds and he speaks these doubts to us and he he gives us these evil thoughts in our head and he tries to shake our what? He tries to shake our two greatest defensive weapons that we have. What are they again? Faith and good conscience in Jesus Christ. That's why those are so important. And when the devil does this, because he will do this, We need to be prepared for it and not shocked, right? And when he does this, we need to verbally proclaim God's promises. And we need to to believe God's promises if we are redeemed. God gave us promises. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you if you're mine. That means that when the devil comes in with an evil shot of, oh, you're not God's. Hey, devil, I belong to God. I'm God's child. I'm saved. I have surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And then he said, he'll never leave me and never forsake me. I belong to Jesus. Which leads me to point number two upon when Satan attacks us. This is a major, major, major point. I alluded to it just earlier. We need to remember that once Christ has saved us, if we are Christians today, if we are saved, the devil will be, not maybe, will be gunning for you. He will be gunning for me. Because you know what? He wants to win us back. He wants to take us back to the dark side where we came from. He hates it that we left. He wants us to come back. He hates it that we're not going to be spending eternity in hell with him. Misery loves company. He hates that. So he's going to be gunning for us. Now, can Satan steal or take our salvation from us? Like, oh, Oh, where did I put that? Oh, 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 no. No, absolutely he can't. But he can tempt us like he put in Balaam's heart to do against the children of Israel. Balaam was a, a man of God back in the Old Testament when Israel had just gone out of Egypt. And this king had called Balaam to say, hey, teach us how we can curse Israel so that they don't conquer us. And so he comes, Balaam comes and And the king, Balak, I believe, uh, uh, says, hey, teach us how to curse these people. He says, hey, I can't. These are God's chosen people. These are people that God has saved. I can't curse these people. He says, well, we'll we'll try anyway. So he tries three times and blesses them. Seems to no effect. God's people keep coming. Then all of a sudden, we don't hear a Balaam anymore. Balaam goes home. King kicks him out. But all of a sudden... Now, we we read about this king, Balak, sending these women out to the children of Israel to seduce them and try to snare them in sexual sin and try to snare them in, in ways of sin. And all of a sudden, God breaks out against them. And then we find out later in the Bible 
Bible tells us that Balaam, instead he couldn't curse him, but what he did was he went to Balak and he said, hey, I can't curse him, but here's what you can do. You can send these, these shots of these temptations of sin out to him, and God knows that if they fall, he'll strike out against them. And so that's what the devil does to us. He knows he can't take our soul from us again, but he shoots those temptations out there. And if we fall like the children of Israel, if we willfully go start chasing that sin again, if we willfully turn from God and we willfully go out after that sin, then the devil knows that he could take us back and we then will be headed straight for hell once again, just like the children of Israel, just like God struck out against the children of Israel because they started living in willful sin God will do the same thing against us. We'll lose our covenant because we'll break it by our willful hearts of disobedience of sin against God and we'll fall into transgression again. So remember, Christians, we are at spiritual warfare and we can't let our guard down for a moment. The spiritual war was no joke in the days of the disciples and Paul and it's no joke in our world today. So since it's no joke, we need to take the words of the Apostle Paul that he writes to the Ephesian church in chapter 6 and listen to what Paul says concerning this spiritual warfare. Look at what Paul said, how we should handle ourselves spiritually because of this spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. I'm going to go through it quickly. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Listen to what he says. Put on the whole whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Paul talked about our spiritual warfare like we needed to put on this whole armor of God. But what are our weapons? He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, he says, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all, to stand. Stand in what? In faith. And in a good conscience toward Jesus Christ. He says, stand therefore. Listen to these little tools that he gives us here. we got to imagine we're putting these things on. Having girded your waist with truth. Why the devil knows if we start lying. Well, the Bible says all liars shall have their place in the lake which burns with fire. So girding your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith, which is or with, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So did you hear those things? Faith, good conscience toward Jesus Christ, putting on the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, all these things are what we need to fight this great spiritual battle that we're in. And But what did he say? Stand strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So Christians, Stand strong in Jesus Christ in the power of his might until he comes or until we go to be with him. And remember, because we're in a spiritual warfare, be prepared at all times for Satan to come and hit you hard. And when he does, remember, 
Proclaim God's promises that he gave to you as his children and and reject that devil and stand strong on God's promises and tell the enemy Satan, well, exactly what Jesus told him. Remember when Satan came to tempt Jesus? He said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. And I have to do that often. When Satan comes and he starts putting those wicked and evil thoughts in my mind, those doubts, get behind me, Satan. Shut your mouth, Satan. In Jesus Christ's name, shut your mouth, Satan. And please, don't ever forget, we're in a great spiritual battle. All right. Praise God. On to our new sermon for today. Let's get into it. title of our new sermon today is simply The Mediator. So our title again, just two words. Nice and simple, easy to remember. The Mediator. So I'm going to read 1 Timothy 2, 5-7, and then we're going to teach. I'm going to teach on it. So if you want to join me, it's only a few verses. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, Paul writing here, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. Or you could say mankind. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I, you would say Paul, was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ, and I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So that's it. That's all we're going to study. So I hope I'll have you guys out of here within the hour. Yeah, that's right. I was telling my youngest son the other day that upon this section of Scripture, upon even just this one verse, I could teach probably 25 notes of information. But I won't spare you of that. I've condensed it all, and I was just kidding. We'll have you out of here quicker than that. So anyway, last week Paul told us about the terrible spiritual battle we're all in and how we need to fight defensively with what, remember, our spiritual weapons of defense, which is a good faith in Jesus Christ, or good conscience toward Jesus Christ, and faith, of course, in God. And he also told us how we need to fight offensively with different kinds of prayers for the lost. But he didn't cover in depth, I should say, last week. And, you know, remember, I'm teaching this in excerpts. This is all just one big letter. But he didn't teach in those few verses that we taught last week in depth who Christians pray to, and how our prayers actually get to the one that we pray to. So what does Paul do? He covers those things, those points in depth today. God made Paul, by his Holy Spirit, a very thorough writer. Paul didn't leave much out. Now, if you're thinking in your head, what is this guy talking about? Is he crazy? Christians pray to God, of course. That's a no-brainer. And our prayers just, you know, they go to God because they do. Uh, Man, I thought I was listening to a Christian sermon here. I better turn this guy off before he poisons my mind. Well, wait, just wait. Before you shut me off, before you turn me off, you did tune into a Christian church here. And I know what you're thinking, and I can imagine what you're thinking. But just hold on. Don't turn me off. Let me explain And let me show you what the Bible says to you, I will promise, and I won't poison your mind at all. So, as far as who Christians pray to, the answer is just simply God. God, the creator of all, Jehovah, Yahweh, you know, the Bible gives him lots of names, but it's only one God. And Paul declares that to us first in verse 5, 
Paul covers this point where he says, for there is one God. The world may think there's many, but the Bible and, and, and what I see in reality of truth in the world is there is truly only one God. So we got that covered. Prayers go to God. But the second point I mentioned about how Christians' prayers, uh, how, they might, how they get to God, how they actually get to the one true God, this one might shock you. So how do our prayers... Christians' prayers actually get to God. Maybe you might be saying, well, Christians' prayers get to God by, well, they just simply go there when we pray. It's just, you know, that's a miracle and it's spiritual and when we pray, prayers just go to God and that's just it. Maybe you say, number two, God always just hears anyone's prayers because, you know, he hears all and he knows all, right? I mean, he's God and he's omnipotent and he's omniscient and he knows everything, so he hears everybody's prayers, Maybe you might be saying, well, we pray to Mary or the Mother or Mother Jesus or the saints, and then they take our prayers to God. Maybe you might be saying these things. Well, if you'd answered any of those answers, you'd be surprised to hear what God has to say about it because the Bible says that there's only one way that our prayers get to God, and all of those answers are wrong. Now, don't be shocked. I'm going to show you. I won't poison your mind. I'm going to come right out of the Bible. So where does the Bible say that our prayers only get to God one way? Right before your very eyes in the very scripture that we just read. Read verse 5 again and listen to what Paul says about how our prayers get to God and I will explain. Verse 5, Paul writes, For there's one God, got that part, one God, prayers go to God, and one not two and three and four and five and six and ten and twenty. One mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. Paul just told us that the only one way that not only Christians' prayers, but all people's prayers get to God is through Jesus Christ. He basically said Jesus Christ, the only mediator, mediates between God and man to bring our prayers to God. What does a mediator do? What is mediation? In case you didn't know, the Bible has a concordance. And all the words in all the Bible are written in there and they're all defined. So what is a mediator and what is mediation? Well, the word mediator in the original Greek that he's used there is called Masitas, pronounced, this is the phonetic, me, me or my, say, tas. And it's literally defined as, listen to these two definitions, one who intervenes between two, either in order to make, make or restore peace and friendship, or form a compact, or for ratifying a covenant. So there, that first definition would be one, a mediator is someone who stands between one and another and he kind of delegates how things go. So the person A and person B have a person A and a half or a person that stands in the middle. Person A talks to the person in the middle and then the person in the middle takes what the person A said and goes and talks to person B with the thing that person A said and makes kind of like a pact with them, or, or makes peace with them, or whatever. Now, definition two, you really see this whole idea of the mediator that Christ was. 
Definition two, a medium of communication or an arbitrator. So now, a mediator is someone that stands in between two and basically just person A tells the middle person what to say or and then the middle person takes what you said and takes it to person B and then the communication goes. It's almost like a telephone company. When you call a telephone company, your telephone call, you, or I don't know if it's still this way, but it used to go into like a main kind of place where like a switchboard and then from that switchboard, that switchboard would then put you through to the other person, but you didn't make a call unless your call went into the switchboard and then from the switchboard to the person that you were calling. The switchboard in the case would be a mediator. And Paul just told us that Jesus Christ, the one and only, is the only communicator between God and people. Period. The end. That means that according to Paul, 1 Timothy 2.5, Christians don't see it when we pray. And, and you wouldn't. When you pray, you wouldn't see this because it's supernatural. Just like when you used to make a phone call in the old days. I don't know if it's the same way today. You'd make a phone call. You wouldn't see your phone call going to the switchboard and then from the switchboard to the other person. You would only see you hearing the call and it would go and then you'd hear the other person on the other line. That was it. Well, Christians don't see this when we pray, but when a Christian prays, we pray, dear God, so-and-so and so-and-so, our prayers pass through the hands of Jesus Christ first and then he gives them to God as we pray in his name. Simple enough. That's what a mediator does. You talk to them, they talk to the other one for you. Is this idea of one mediator between God and man or one between God and man the only place we read about this? Absolutely not. Christ Jesus talks about this too. It's a very famous passage that a lot of evangelists use, but it actually means more than just one thing. A lot of people use it for just for salvation, but listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to this. No one comes to the Father except what? Finish it in your minds. Through me. Well, there. What did he just say? No one comes to God unless they pass through me. Paul said all the prayers. He's talking about prayer. Prayers go through Jesus unto God. Now, if Jesus just said, no one comes to the Father but through him, he's being very clear how people must go to God. Through him and no other, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's elementary. It's, it's, it's first grade stuff, kindergarten stuff. This is not complicated, ladies and gentlemen. You pray to God in Jesus' name, and then Jesus takes the prayer, and it goes to God, Uh, whether it's salvation or prayer or whatever. But that's not even the only place that Jesus talked about it. We talked about it last week, John 16, 23. Jesus said, and in that day, what day is he talking about? Well, after his resurrection, because he wasn't the mediator before he died on the cross. So at the end, and in that day, he says, which would be after his resurrection, you will ask me nothing. That's right. We're not supposed to ask Jesus. We can ask Jesus things for help to him to help us with, but mainly we want to talk to God. And he says, in that day, you will ask me nothing. 
He says, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. John 16, 23. There we see. We're not talking to Jesus. We're talking to God in Jesus' name, the one mediator between God and man. And then Jesus takes our prayers to God for us. And then we communicate with God directly through him. So that's why if you've ever listened to a Christian pray, like I prayed before this message today, I said, you know, dear God, you know, enlighten us, illuminate us on the thing. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. That's why I prayed. If you've ever heard a Christian pray, that's why we pray in Jesus or in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Because we know God's put that within us spiritually, that spiritual knowledge that we have to go to God in Jesus Christ's name and no one and no one else. Now, so both Jesus Christ and Paul said we must go through Christ to come to God for prayer, salvation, or whatever. And if the opposite's true, please listen to this very carefully now. This is very important, ladies and gentlemen. If the opposite is true, so if we pray and we, and we pray through Jesus Christ's name, then God hears our prayers. If the opposite is true, because it always is, if A plus B equals C, then C plus B will equal A. Always true. Okay? If we don't pray through Jesus Christ, then God will not hear our prayers. It's just as simple as that. He won't hear our prayers. If we don't come through Jesus Christ for salvation, we won't be saved. So therefore, it's so important that we people, people just in general, Christians and all, that we pray to God in Jesus Christ's name. How about the people now that aren't Christians? How about the people that like the Muslims? or like the Buddhists, or like the Jews, how they stand at the wailing wall and they cry out to God, Jehovah, and they cry all day long. And Muslims pray five times a day to the east toward Mecca all day long. What about them now? Well, according to our Bible, according to the one true God, he said, unless you come to me in Jesus Christ and through him, I won't hear your prayers. And you can't even be saved because no one gets to the Father except through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, as we said. So what happens to others that don't pray in Jesus Christ? Anybody that doesn't pray in Jesus Christ's name, anybody that doesn't go to God through Jesus Christ, they can't get saved. God doesn't hear their prayers. Simple as that. I mean, it, it is so, so simple. So if both Paul and Jesus Christ said this, no matter who you are, If you want your prayers to go to God Almighty, to Jehovah, to the creator of the universe, if you want him to hear you, please understand you must pray to him in Jesus Christ or Jesus name and not through any other being, period, the end. Very, very, very important. Christians, if you're praying, even though God may know your heart, uh, we need to profess verbally. Lord, I, you know, I thank you for this day and I thank you for this meal. Man, please bless this meal to my body. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Because otherwise, 
If we do not pray in Jesus' name, with him being the only mediator, our prayers do not go to God. The Bible said that there's only one God, Jehovah, creator of all things, and that the only one that can mediate or go between him and us and mankind is Christ Jesus. And even Christ Jesus said it, that he was the only way to God. So, pretty cool, pretty easy, pretty simple teaching, right? I mean, like I said earlier, a kindergarten, a kindergartner would understand this idea. I, act, I asked my little 11-year-old boy the other day about this same thing without having it coached him or anything before. And he completely understand that a mediator, someone that goes to God for you, and he's 11 years old. So, I mean, it's, it's really, really, really easy. Very, very, very simple teaching of God, right? Would anybody disagree with me on that? I surely hope not. Uh, I mean, absolutely, God couldn't have said it any simpler or easier than he did in his word. In fact, I think that this idea is so simple that if anyone will just plainly read God's word, and we're actually going to see that in a little bit here, for themselves, without any outside influence, they could figure out that God requires people to come to him by Jesus Christ and no other, just like I just taught here, just like we plainly read in God's word right here today. Very simple. Well, although this idea of Christ being the only mediator between God and man is so simple and plain, when you just read the Bible with your own eyes and you don't listen to someone else telling you something different, Against God's word, believe it or not, there's a teaching out there in some of the largest sects of the branches of those that claim to be religions of Christianity that directly go against this teaching of both Christ and Paul. What do they teach on this simple and plain idea of Jesus Christ being the one and only mediator between God and man? So the only one that can take our prayers to God, the one mediator? They teach you that Mary, the mother of Jesus, or the old saints of old, the disciples of Jesus, the apostles, that you can pray to them and they can take your prayers to God for you. Like Jesus and Paul said that there's only one, they make many. That means that they believe that people can pray to dead people, people that have passed from this life to the next, and they can take your prayers to God for you, like Jesus Christ said here, like Paul said here, I am the only one between God and man. I'm the only mediator, Jesus said. They believe that others that have passed on can mediate for you unto God in between you and God. And in this teaching, this way to pray... They make many mediators between God and them, even though Christ again and Paul just said, John 14, 6, 1 Timothy 2, 5, that there's only one mediator between God and man. Kind of weird. Why would somebody teach that? Especially those being of the Christian faith. Why would anybody teach you that somebody else, you can pray to somebody else, and they can take your prayers to God for you? Who are they that practice this way of prayer that goes against what Christ and Paul spoke of? This might shock you. It may or may not. Uh, they call themselves Catholics, or actually what, 
We know them as the Orthodox religions of the world today. Catholics and the Orthodox. This is the less well-known here in the West. Orthodox would be, uh, you might be hear about them in the news uh, today. They're called the Egyptian Coptics. They're the, uh, the Christians, uh, I think they believe that Mark is the one that brought them the gospel. And they're in Egypt, and it's called the Cop- Top- Coptic faith. Uh, there's also the Russian Orthodox faith. There's the Greek or- Orthodox faith. There, faith. There's the uh, Eastern Orthodox faith and the Ethiopian Orthodox faith. And the this is the last one. I had never heard of this one before, but the Antosia, I believe, unless I'm saying it wrong, the Antosia Orthodox faith. And these branches of Christianity, you would say, what they claim to be, all teach you that you can pray to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and that you can pray to the disciples or the saints of old, and that they can take your prayers to God as where the Bible just said, told us, that Jesus Christ is the only one. These branches of those that teach the Bible are very old, and they're very big into things they call liturgy. It's, it's, they, they, they stand up, and they kind of repeat these same things, service after service. They're big into sacraments. It's a certain kind of works that they do every single service, every single son of, you know, they, they practice these works as a lifestyle. They're big into papal authority. There's one man called the Pope, and he's in charge, and he makes all the rules, and all the rules get, you know, changed through him, and so on and so forth. And they go on also ancient human traditions. But they're also very big on another thing. All these Orthodox religions and all the Catholic religions, they're also big on another thing. They're big on you not reading God's Word, the Bible, for yourself, because they will tell you that you are not spiritually qualified to do so and understand it on your own. So they alone must teach you what the Bible means without you reading it for yourself. And they alone must teach you what you are to know about the Bible and no one and no one else, because no one else is qualified spiritually to understand the Bible. But, as we just read, sadly, what we just read, Peter, Jesus, or I'm sorry, Paul, Jesus said plainly, they are teaching the Bible wrong, teaching that there are many mediators between God and and the man Jesus Christ. Now you may be saying to yourself, you may be sitting there listening to me, and you may be saying, why are you making such a big deal out of this, Pastor Ed? What does it matter? Okay, so they're wrong, just let it be. But it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. It's, it's way bigger than me just making a big deal about it. It's an eternal thing. Uh, you may be saying, if Jesus Christ, so I say this, If Jesus Christ just said that there's only one way to God, this is where it gets eternal, guys. If Jesus Christ said that there's only one way to God, and also saying that there's only one way that God hears our prayers, and even Paul agreed, 1 Timothy 2.5, you know, John 14.6, through Christ Jesus and Paul himself, if they said these things, but yet these religions teach you against what Jesus Christ said, that you don't have to just pray to him, that you could pray to all these other people that have passed on and the ones that are you know, dead or they call them alive in the spirit, so on and so forth. But either way, they're praying to people that can take that they say can take your prayers to God, which would be a teaching against what Paul and Christ just spoke on. Then do you know what that makes their teachings? Well, think about it. They teach you something that's against what Christ taught. 
Do you know what the word against means? Translated, what the word against means. It's translated as anti. So now, they're teaching anti-Jesus Christ teachings or anti-Christ teachings. Teaching you things that Christ Jesus did not teach you. Wow. And the worst part about it is that these religions claim to be teaching you the correct way of Christ. And remember how I told you earlier, I made a statement and I said something about, you know, they make, they, they do these things that they teach you these ways. But even if you call these false biblical teachers out on their antichrist teaching, they explain it away with complex ideas that are not found in the Bible. And I will show you this in just a minute. If you think about, and if you think about this, and if you think I'm lying, I should say. I want you to just listen along to this question and answer that I found on a webpage that's called askacatholic.com. Now, I'm only using the Catholic base right now. I'm going to talk, talk about the Coptic Christians here in a minute, or the Coptic believers here in a minute, because God gave me an interesting uh, conversation with a Coptic Egyptian earlier this week. I'll talk about that in a minute. But they're all, they all pretty much hold the same idea, the same way, the same practice the same anti-christ teaching so here's the premise go on this site askacatholic.com about this same exact point that we're talking about today and the premise is a lady named pam who is a catholic she wrote in and she asked a question to the you know the site manager and she asked them about the same topic but she because she heard this anti-christ teaching and it didn't line up with what she read in her own bible Listen to what she had to say. Listen to this question and listen to what the site manager or the one that responded to her has to say. Remember, they'll explain away the Antichrist teaching with something that's confusing. Listen, Pam writes, I went to my grandson's Catholic school for Grandparents Day last week and during the morning prayer time they prayed, Dear Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and then they prayed. Jesus, she says, is the Son of God and needs no intercessor. He sits at the right hand of God, the Father. Jesus is God and needs no intercessor. Why would this prayer be permitted? That's her major, major, major question. She goes on. Why do we pray through Mary? Again, now, I taught you that Catholics and Orthodox, they teach you can pray through Mary and the saints. She says, why do we pray through Mary when it's Jesus whom we are asking? Jesus is our intercessor to the Father. That is stated over and over and over again in the Bible. This is Mary speaking now. Now, this is Mary, and she's a Catholic, and this is her writing a question to a Catholic man. Please tell me where the Bible says that we should pray through Mary as our intercessor and where in the Bible it says Mary had an immaculate heart. And then she goes on to say, I really need to understand these things as I study the Bible. They do not make sense to me. Thank you. John, the site administrator, replies back and he says, Pam, you ask a very legitimate question. So there, that's that's good. He knows she's asking a very legitimate question. He's a 
Catholic administrator. He understands all the Catholic ways. He's, he's certified by the Catholic Church to answer these questions. But listen to his answer. You ask a legitimate question on the surface without understanding the theology of the covenant and the incarnation. Now, these are not in the Bible. This is in what they call the catechism. This is not in the Bible. It's called the theology of the covenant and the incarnation. The scriptures, he goes on to say, which is the Bible, don't plainly spell out all Catholic doctrine. Now, wait a minute. We just read here plainly in the Bible, Jesus and Paul tell us that there's one mediator between God and man. I know the Bible can get confusing, ladies and gentlemen. I know it can be. There are some points of the Bible that are kind of confusing. But how can we be confused when the Bible says that there's one mediator between God and man, and Pam here is being told that she can pray through Mary, which then making Mary another mediator, even though simply in the Bible it says that there's one mediator between God and man. John then goes on to tell Pam the reason why Catholics practice their prayers to Mary that are not found in the Bible, as I just told you earlier. I told you that they'd come up with something non-biblical to tell you why. Well, he goes on to say, and you can go on askacatholic.com and you can find the same question too from Pam to John here. But did you catch how John said that the scriptures, the Holy Bible, don't plainly spell out the Catholic doctrine? It's very important because there's a loophole there. That's right. The scriptures don't plainly spell out the Catholic doctrine because the Bible doesn't spell out the Catholic doctrine because the Bible plainly spells out that Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man as Pam so boldly put it over and over and over again in the scriptures. And she said, and exactly what we read, we read in 1 Timothy 2.5 and John 14.6, that this is how Pam put it. And she basically put it as where she studied her Bible, the Bible, God's ultimate word, his word, as I prayed earlier, that there's one mediator. She read the same thing. She's confused. We are only supposed to pray to Jesus. That's what the Bible says. John says, oh, Mary. You don't understand the Catholic doctrine. Well, the Catholic doctrine simply, and, and Orthodox doctrine simply and shamefully goes against the Bible's teaching here and the words of Jesus here. Now, I'm, uh, another point I must make on this. If the Catholic understanding of the Bible doesn't plainly spell out the simple biblical principle that Pam read over and over and over and over and over in the Bible the Catholic Orthodox understanding of this principle or simple teaching of Christ and Paul, which one would be right? Is the Catholic or Orthodox principle of this teaching right? Or is the Bible's simple teaching on this teaching right? Well, I say that anything that goes against the Bible, since God's word is the ultimate authority, is wrong. And the Bible would be the ultimate source of authority. So believe it or not, or excuse me, and so to believe, <clears throat> excuse me, that these religious teachings of the Bible are right, according to their Catholic doctrine, according to the Orthodox doctrine, you must believe that the teachings of Christ and Paul are wrong. 
And to me, if you pray to someone like they believe you can do, to me, I consider that worship. Now, you go on and search that question online and they'll fight you tooth and nail. Catholic, Orthodox, that's to them. That's, ah, we're not worshiping Mary. We're not worshiping the saints. No way. We're not doing that. But that's what they say openly. And that's what they say in public. But shamefully, in private, it's a little different. As I seek the truth, God always gives me the truth. I, always, I seek truth. I was seeking God for this question earlier this week. I said, Lord, I know, I know what Catholics do, but I don't do Orthodox really do this? Too. I mean, I know, I know so many Coptic Egyptians, and do they do this thing with Mary too? Do they pray to them too? Do they do this? Well, you wouldn't believe the fortune that God gave me this week. I mean, God always answers me when I'm seeking the truth. Uh, I was really seeking this, and God brought an Egyptian Coptic to my job this week, and I actually became friends with him. His name is Sam. And in our little small friendship that we formed a little bit as we were talking about some Bible things, about some world things, and after I was seeking God in this, I just openly one day I asked him, I said, Hey, Sam, I need to know, because I just read on a major Orthodox site that no, we don't worship Mary, and oh, we just, we just revere her highly, and oh, we, you know, and we don't do this, we don't pray to her or anything, we just, you know, we just know that she's Mary, the mother of God, and yes, she had sin, and so on and so forth, and so I asked him, I said, hey, Sam, does the, what does the Orthodox Church teach about Mary? Oh, man, and I, I swear to you, as God is my witness, this was his answer, being a part of the of the Coptic organization from probably the youth. He was born and raised in Egypt, and he said this. I'm not kidding you. My surprise, he actually told me something like, we love Mary, the mother of Jesus. Of course, he didn't say Mary. He said, we love the Blessed Virgin Mary. And... We worship the heck out of her. That was his words to me from the inside. I didn't didn't find this online. I found this through somebody that had been practicing these things since they had been a kid, involved in their ministry since they had been a child in Egypt. We worship and love or we worship the heck out of Mary. Wow. Wow. So not only is this praying to Mary and the saints an antichrist teaching, but ladies and gentlemen, it also promotes the worship of Mary as a god. Yet didn't Jesus Christ tell Satan when Satan asked him to worship him in Luke 4:8 and Jesus answered and said to Satan, "Get behind me, Satan. Shut up, Satan, for it you shall it is written you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. And at that he was quoting Deuteronomy 6:13. So plainly in God's word, God Almighty and Jesus Christ both say, "Worship me, pray to only me through Christ, I'm the only mediator between God and you." So Christians or anyone listens to this message, I cannot stress enough the main and simple point of our scriptures so far. 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there's one God and there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. There's only one person that we can pray to. 
And why does Jesus even get this exclusive privilege of being God's only way, of him being the one and only mediator between you and me, or between him and us, I should say, excuse me. Why did he get this privilege? Look at verse 6 in our scripture here today. Verse 6, Paul writes, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is the only mediator because he's the only one found worthy on all the earth that could pay for your and my sins, period, the end. He was the only sinless being ever to walk the face of the planet. He was the only one God found worthy to take our sins upon himself and to pay for them. He's the only one. And because no one else did this, no one else can possibly mediate or go between God and mankind to bring our prayers to Him. Excuse me, I'm just recovering over a cold. I'm fighting, losing my voice here. Look at what Paul writes about Christ's sacrifice in Hebrews 10, 19-23. And undoubtedly, one of those plain things that Pam the Catholic read in her Bible and taught her that Jesus Christ was the only mediator between God and mankind. Paul writes, Hebrews 10, 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest. What was that place? That was the holy of holies where God only was. Remember? By the, being bold, he says here. Therefore, brethren, being, having boldness to enter the holiest, that was to be to God to pray. He says, by the blood of Jesus. There, one way into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, Christ Jesus. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let us draw near to who? Let us draw near to God through Christ only, in Christ only, as our only mediator. Let us draw near with full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And this sacrifice of Christ was so important that it caused God to what? Read verse 7. For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. The news of what Christ did for us And his one and only way to God was so important that it caused God to rise up people to go out and tell the whole world about it. I don't care who you are, how, what sainthood you are. If you're Jesus' mother, Mary, me, my father, my best friend, it doesn't matter. None of us is holy enough to carry our prayers to God on our own. There's only one Christ Jesus, this news was so important. It's not something that God wanted to hide from the world or make complicated by the teachings of man. It was a simple truth that he wanted proclaimed from the rooftops to all people. And so, it is so true according to the Bible. The Bible does state over and over and over and over again That Jesus Christ is the only way God made for mankind to come to him, whether it be in prayer or to be saved from our sins or for whatever reason. To come to God for comfort or whatever reason, there's one way. Christ Jesus, the man, and that's it. 
Any other way that anyone teaches you that you can come to God in prayer for salvation is a teaching, it's an antichrist teaching, a teaching that goes against what Jesus Christ taught and what Paul and the Bible confirmed, as Pam said, over and over and over again. And here the big question is, here's the big question we have to ask ourselves, here's the big questions that that. Over a billion people in this world that belong to the Catholic and Orthodox faiths have to ask themselves, why would anyone, especially a religion, your religion, if you belong to those, that claims to proclaim Jesus Christ, tell you that you can go to God another way? This is going to shock you. And still, please don't turn me off, because it's the truth, and I'll explain. They want you to go to hell. They want you to go to hell. You see, Satan is ruling them. Satan is running them. Satan has had an amazing plan to get the people to go to hell since Jesus Christ left his, left his church and he started his church. When Christ first started his church, and you can read this through church history, Satan tried to come against it by force. Satan tried to kill and murder all the people that God was saving. And you know what happened? Although Satan came up against God's church, you know what happened? God kept saving more and the church kept growing. So Satan realized what Christ said in Matthew 16, 18. Satan realized the gates of Hades, which is death and hell, shall not prevail against God's church. Hallelujah. Satan will never prevail against God's church. But, so Satan saw that he couldn't kill and murder or stomp out Christ's church. So what did he do? Did he give up? Did he say, oh, you know what? God, you got me. You beat me. That's that's it. I'm just going to hang up the cap. I guess you just won. Well, no, of course he didn't do that. Satan never gives up. He won't ever give up until he's burning in the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. He absolutely doesn't ever give up. He figured out that if he couldn't beat the church, he figured out if he couldn't destroy the church by murder and killing all the people, he would join it. He walk next to them and walk alongside them and just slowly and gently bring in teachings that were just, you know, against Christ a little bit. You know, I can't kill it, can't destroy it, but you know what? Hey, look at all you all. Look at Mary. Oh, how holy Mary is. Oh, Mary. Mary is the one that had God's son. Oh, she must be holy. Oh, look at how holy Mary is. Oh, we got, we can pray to Mary too. Oh, Mary, she just loved people. We can pray to her too. But these are antichrist teachings, like the teaching that we read about today. And and so that's what he did. And that's what we just read about in the Catholic and Orthodox ways of teaching them their Bible. That's what they do today, this very day. Satan brought in this teaching of many mediators that people could come to God by instead of Jesus Christ alone so that people would not directly come to God through Christ so that people would not get saved and not go to heaven because that's what Satan wants. He wants you to burn right alongside of him in hell. God calls Satan the great dragon and the one who deceives the whole world in Revelation 12.9. And if God calls Satan that, then you know Ladies and gentlemen, if God gives Satan the title of the deceiver of the whole world and the great dragon, then you know that there's not going to be a greater deceiver in all the world than him. So today, 
I don't know where you're at with God or what denomination or sect or division of Christianity you are in, or even if you're any type of Christian at all, but I do know this. According to the simple, plain kindergarten teaching that we read in the Bible today, if you're not coming directly to God through Christ and Christ alone, every time you pray for whatever you may need, the Bible says that he's not here in your prayers and that you're on your way to hell. The Bible says that there's one way to God, and that's through Christ Jesus, the man, and Christ Jesus alone. So today, if you believe something else, then God desires you to repent of any belief that you have other than this and start talking to him directly through his only begotten son, the only one worthy of taking your prayers to God, Christ Jesus. Then he wants you, man or woman or child, to start reading his word, the Bible, for yourself every day. And he wants you asking him Ladies and gentlemen, by his Holy Spirit, dear God, by your Holy Spirit, please teach me what this Bible means without any outside influence to help you figure it out. Jesus said, remember, in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you of his sons? Ask, if one of his sons asks for a, a bread and will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish and will give him a serpent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father, which is in heaven... Give good things to those who ask him. Dear dear God, please help me to understand your word. You, please God, help me. Not this Pastor Ed, not this priest guy, not this other guy, not so-and-so, not you, God, my heavenly Father. Will you teach me how to understand your word? Even the Apostle James the Just who wrote the epistle of James, said in 1 James 5, or, or James 1, 5, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, hey, hey, I don't got it all, I don't know all the wisdom, but if any of you lacks wisdom, he says, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally. He didn't say some. He didn't say, oh, he'll give to only a few. <clears throat> if you ask God, he'll give to all liberally. That means without measure. God will give you understanding if you ask him. Help me to understand this. And then James promises, and it will be given to him. Now, neither Christ Jesus nor James told you to ask some man for wisdom about God's word, but they told you to ask God. So that's what I hope you'll do. Seek God and ask him for wisdom and understanding of his word and his promise to you and that he will do it. He promises you that if you ask him, he'll give you the wisdom not some man, not me. But if you ask God, reading his word, what does this mean? The Bible says God will give you that wisdom that you need. But there's another thing that I hope you do after this sermon today. If you are a part of one of these organizations I mentioned today and that are teaching you these antichrist ways to pray, then I challenge you on this. If this teaching of theirs is antichrist, then what else are they teaching you that is against what Christ taught you? You'd be shocked if I were to start telling you all the ways 
in which they taught you things against what Jesus Christ said. So I hope you do one major thing if you are part, if you're a Catholic today, if you're a, an Orthodox Greek or a Coptic Egyptian or a Russian Orthodox, and you're hearing this message, I hope and I plead with you to do one more thing. Get out of these religions that are teaching you the Bible in an antichrist way and just read your Bibles and ask God by His Holy Spirit to teach you in Him and Him alone through Christ Jesus and cry out to prayer, cry out in prayer to God through Christ and Christ alone and and ask Him to send you to a place that will teach you the Bible truthfully and ask Him to help you understand the Bible the way He wants you to understand it, the true meanings of what it says. Instead of listening to people. Because there is good news today. And the good news is this. That God made a way to save us all. And that way is through Christ and Christ alone. And the Bible says as we read today. That we can go to God directly through Jesus Christ. Without any other person or man or me or Mary or Paul or any disciple or any saint ever. And so I plead with you, seek God through his word in prayer through Christ and Christ alone. And get away from all this false teaching and seek God and surrender to Christ. Please, today, and don't wait. Would you please join me in a word of prayer? Lord, thank you for this message. Thank you, Lord God, for this day. Thank you, Lord God, for this teaching. Thank you, Lord God, for your truths, Lord, your plain truths that even a kindergartner can understand, Lord. Thank you for these truths, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. And Lord, your word says, you said in your word that they shall know the truth and the truth shall set them free. God, I pray that this truth of what I spoke today, out of your word, nothing of my own, I pray that this truth would set hundreds and thousands and millions of people free from the bondage of saint worship, from the bondage of Mary worship, Lord. I pray, please, dear God, save them, Lord. Draw them to yourself, Lord. May they discard all these human, tradition, religional type things, and Lord, may they come to you like your word says. Through you, through Christ alone, the one and only one that gave a propitiation of himself for the sins of the world. Please, dear God, save souls. Bring people to Christ and ruin the devil's plan. We ask these things and we pray these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Praise God, everyone. It's Pastor Ed here. and Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because your life will soon be passed and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015, and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions, or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love Him back by the way you live your life. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.